Welcome to the Captain's Quarters Podcast. You can see at least three of our crew members are here. There's Navigator Davey Longwood, and there's Madcap Mandy Joe out from Utah being here as a part of the show. We welcome everybody. I cheers to you. As always, a rum toast. And this one is my favorite. You can see there's not much left. Uh, spiced orange from City Gates Distilleries. It is the last of whatever they have until they make a new batch which I'm desperately trying to get him to do. Oh, and there's our little powder monkey right there. <laughs> and it's time to tell you how to find our show, ladies and gentlemen. Our show can be found on YouTube. There are some other ways to find it from now on, but we'll talk about that later on. But YouTube, you can watch us live, be a part of the show, hit that QR button once you get there, then hit the bell, hit the like, and you're a part of the show. And that's what we want, is everybody being a part of the show. So go to YouTube and be a part of the show. Now, I know what's next is eight bells. And I happen to know that we have lost one person already. How many do you have in this one, Mr. Davies? So I know Four. ahead of time. Four? Very good. So we have Ted Donaldson, an American former child actor from 1949 to 54. He played Bud, the son of Robert Young's character in the radio version of Father Knows Best. Uh, he went on to many others, Once Upon a Time, 1944, uh, uh, opposite Gary, Gary, Gary Grant and Janet Blair, plus Columbia Pictures in 1945. Let's see, Thomas Edward Sizemore. Ah, he passed away. Well, that is a shame. See, I, sometimes I'm not getting these until right away, but he was in a whole lot of different... He played some pretty bizarre characters at times. Many of you would probably know him. Um, and it's a sad loss to have lost him there. Natural Born Killer, Strange Days, The Relic, Saving Private Ryan, Bringing Out the Dead, Black Hawk Down, Pearl Harbor, and the revival series of Twin Peaks. Wow. He was known for voicing Sonny Farello in the video game Grand Theft Auto. Very, very lost, big loss for both of those. And what are the next two? Rico Ren Browning, an American film director, actor, producer, screenwriter, underwater cinematographer, and stuntman. He is best known for his work, especially in the 1954 film Creature from the Black Lagoon, mm -hmm. in which he played the Gill Man right there. I had heard that he had passed away. And ladies and gentlemen, one more, Gary Robertson Rosenton, the lead guitar musician and player for and songwriter for southern rock band Leonard Skinner. He became the last original member to remain in the band and became the last surviving original member in 2019 until his death just yesterday, March 5th. He was 71. Ladies and gentlemen, we have eight bells for each one of these four. Every one of them has been a part of our life in some way, shape, or form. It's time for eight bells. Take it away, Mr. Davies.
cheers, condolences, and best wishes to the families. And of course, to every one of us, our hearts are, and lives are touched and enriched by the presence of these people over the past five, six, seven, and eight decades. We thank them very much. Of course, we've got a new segment now presented by Shiver Me Pictures. They're our sponsor for Mini Mayhem's Joke of the Week. Now, the way we're going to start doing this, we're going to give you a good pirate joke. I'm sure we'll run out of them. We might have to write our own one of these days. But we're going to give you a good pirate joke. And then at the end, towards the end of the show, we're going to give you the answer. If you know the answer already, that's great. But here's your Mini Mayhem's Joke of the Week. Why don't pirates shower before they walk the plank? That's a good one, but we'll answer it towards the end of the show. It's also time for Quote of the Week, sponsored by Spyglass Travel. Yes, they were guests on the show last week and become a sponsor, and now they will be sponsoring our Quote of the Week. Here is the quote by Stephen R. Covey. Live your life by a compass, not a clock. Boy, that's short and sweet and direct, isn't it? <laughs> Live your life by a compass. Direction, not time. I like that one, David. Very good one. Mr. Longwood, you always pick out the best ones. And of course, after Quote of the Week, what do we have? Question of the Week. And because of the loss of the Leonard Skinner celebrity, I just thought this one was appropriate. Does your mood govern the kind of music you listen to I wanted to make it a longer question, so I'm going to make it a longer question here. Does your mood govern the kind of music you listen to at certain times when you just want to sit and listen to music? For me, it does. There are some nights where I like to sit, turn on YouTube, and just watch music videos from times in my life that I had good times and good memories, because then the music brings back those memories. And it spans the globe, ladies and gentlemen. Sometimes it's country music. Sometimes it's old rock. Sometimes it's Beethoven, Bach, and whatever else you can think of. I have a variety of likes in the music world, and it just depends on what my mood is like. So we'll see what your mood is like as we go along later on and check out everything we have here. So, yes, the Celtic Festival, ladies and gentlemen. We are at the Celtic Festival this weekend. And I am trying to make my com computer work here. Hold on a minute. It's it's hard to see the daggum mouse when it's not there. There it is, right there. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, crew adventures. The first crew, crew adventure we want to talk about is the Celtic Festival, which is this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. And as always, the St. Augustine Swashbucklers is manning one of the major beer tents. We man it from Saturday morning till the close of the day on Sunday. It's 56 people or 56 shifts that we have manning the, the beer tent at the Celtic Festival. So make sure you come and get your beer from us or your whiskey or whatever else they have served there. All the tip money that we raise goes to our charity fund. Also, we have other groups that are participating. We have the Seawolf Privateers taking up some of the shifts. We have Miss Gina's Sirens Pirate female crew, and we have the crew of the 829, a new crew here in St. Augustine who have taken up a couple of shifts. And what we do is we take all the money from the whole weekend, pool it together, divide it by however many shifts there were, 
and each shift gets that amount of money. So the sirens, I believe, are pulling 10 shifts. They get 10 shares. The swashbucklers are pulling 30 shifts. They get 30 shares. The Seawolf privateers are pulling nine shifts, I believe. They get nine shares. Basically, ladies and gentlemen, we're doing exactly the way a real pirate crew would do it. The money is pooled, and every man gets a share. Share. So, at one shot of rum, and I'm having all kinds of problems. One shot. Now you know why the rum isn't always going. So, we want you to come out to St. Francis Field, St. Augustine, Florida, this Saturday, this Sunday. Uh, you can find out all about it by going to the Celtic Festival website. Yeah, the captain's not lost it quite yet. All right. But come out. Buy your beer from us. I will also be doing magic shows under the secondary tent. I have two shows on Saturday and two shows on Sunday. Miss Gina has shows, uh, a dancing show on Saturday on the same stage as I'm on. There's also storytelling going on. And, of course, ladies and gentlemen, there is plenty of good Celtic food. I happen to like certain things, like um, haggis. Some people don't like it, but I do. And there is one particular place that's there every year. I've been a part of the, the Celtic Festival since they started back in 2008, I believe it was. And there's one guy that comes out, and he makes some of the best haggis, and I've eaten it every year since. So that's what I get my haggis from. And we're right next to him. The Swashbucklers has a tent to display and sell wares, and we're right next to him. So it makes it very easy for me to just go get my food and come sit back down. So come out and see us. I believe the fair, or the fair, the Celtic Festival opens at 10 o'clock on Saturday morning. But prior to that is the Celtic Parade down through the down main time of St. Augustine. So come out and watch us then also. So, other than that, for Crew Adventures, let's talk about the Seawolves. May 6th, they have their Pirates of the Caribbean Monopoly, sponsored by Carabas Italian Grill. That'll be 5 to 9 on the 6th of May, and it's at the Palm Coast Community Center. It benefits the Seawolf Privateers, Inc., and they are supportive of foster children in the area. So, come on down and join us. I myself will be going down there for the evening to hang out. If not playing the game, I will at least be providing some money and whatever else I can to be a part of what they do. So, come on down and join us for that. Other than that, I believe Crew Adventures is pretty well taken care of, although we could tell everybody we have the other banner with all the other dates for coming up for the rest. If you got that banner handy, pop it up. The new one? What's that? The new one? Yeah, I, I did an upgraded one. Nope, nope. That's oh, the yes, one. the upgraded one. Yes, that is. Well, we weren't going to do that till later. And there it is. <laughs> okay, there it is now. Okay, not now. Now. Okay, there it goes. All right. So, obviously, we talked about the Celtic Festival, but in two weeks, we're doing the Seafood Festival also. Same field, right there in the middle of St. Augustine. Mayhem's acting seminar is 29 April, although we just talked about something that may change that date. We'll see what happens. Midsummer night, June 17th, tentatively right now. It has uh, been determined that we may be able to do it on June 17th, and I've talked to the other pirate crew that we'll be sharing the time with. And the spooktacular in October, 27, 28, and 29. There's also a secret idea planned for Talk Like a Pirate Day, September 18th, which is the day before September 19th. And it'll be a podcast event, plus a few other things are happening. So there it is. There's our list. 
and be watching because we hope to have the St. Augustine Swashbucklers pod, Captain's Quarters podcast and Old City Pirate Fest, all three of them all together on our brand new website we hope to have up sometime by the middle of April. Everything should be up and running by then. We had it up temporarily for Old City Pirate Fest and now we're chugging along to get it going so that everything will be there. You will actually be able to go to our website and see any of the QR codes that we're going to show you at the end of the show that allows you to find how, how you can be a part of our show, visually or audibly. So we're ready to go. So on that note, we don't have a guest. But we do have a guest. We have Mandy, because Mandy is not here all the time. She's just joined our crew. And... A lot of you don't know a whole lot about Mandy, so we're going to put her to the test. I didn't even warn her I was going to do this. Isn't that nice? So let's start with our history. Mandy and I have been friends since 2018? 2019. 19? You came out for the festival, or Old City Pirate Fest in 2019? Nope, I came out in August of 2019 on some charity tickets to come explore the Pirate Museum specifically. And that's when I met you with my crew. Okay. And then we so were then you... in January of 2020 at Old City Pirate Fest. So you, you, so you only did one Pirate Fest with us then, besides 23? Before COVID, yeah. Okay. I, for some reason, had it that you did the last two, 19 and 20. But I'm getting old. In fact, I'm having a birthday soon, so I'm entitled to have a few memories of glitches. It's all right. So, you came out, you then came out for the 2020 event, and you brought some of your pirate crew because you're part of the Utah Pirates. So, tell us what the Correct. Utah Pirates are. So, my Utah Pirates team is actually an entertainment company, but we have two pirate ships, and we do different style bookings to help with events and parties and stuff down here. The team that crosses over, which is who was with me the first time I met you, is Reach. And that one's raising education through arts, characters, and heroes. And we go to schools and teach history, literacy, arts, and anti-bullying. And you stay pretty busy with that. Yes, I'm actually, tomorrow we're teaching siege weapons, and then Wednesday I'm teaching superhero anti-bullying. And a lot of people don't know, and they may because it's kind of a common sense thing, teaching can be fun, and the kids will learn if you make it fun. Yes. And it's one of the reasons why my tours are a lot of fun in the Pirate Museum, because we have fun with it. And you take characters to the schools, you take the uh, artifacts and equipment to the schools, and the kids get hands-on with some of that. Um, and that's what makes it, it, it makes it fun for the children, and it makes it so that they enjoy learning. They don't even know they're learning at this point. That's the best part. Yeah, they, they love it. We take, like, so with the siege weapons, we'll take mini kits and we'll have help the kids build their own little mini siege weapons. When we've done different pirate history, we'll talk about the different, different histories of the flags and then have the kids make their own flags to represent themselves and stuff like that. Cool. Well, it's a lot of fun. Now, are, are you, is it a charity organization? Are you an LLC or a, a 501? One of each. So Reach is a 501c3, and then Utah Pirate is an LLC. So. And how many characters? Because you don't do you do more than just pirates. 
Yes. Um, myself, I probably have about 25, 30 different characters that I can throw together at any given minute. I do have some people that work with me that have upwards of 50 and 60 different characters. That's a whole lot of personality traits to have to deal with. Yeah, we've like so we have anything from medieval to historical. We do um, art history, the the superheroes, the literacy. So we have literacy characters everywhere. So I'll double around as Belle or Lady Thor. Just kind of depends what we're doing. And you also, with your two ships, they are parade floats. You've also taken them as far away as Las Vegas and California, or so. We've had them in California, right. and we've had them through Colorado. There, one of them is getting ready to go to Wyoming this summer too. Oh, and we take them through Idaho as well. You know, one of these years, we should plan for me to fly out to Las Vegas because of the Pirate Festival, and you to bring one of your ships down there um, into Las Vegas and be a part of their Pirate Festival in Las Vegas. That would be fun. I know the Pirate Festival or a festival is going on the same time I'm in St. George this month. So I'm literally an hour and a half away from that. So I'm contemplating sneaking over for a little bit. Yep, very good. So <clears throat> how long have you been doing this now? Um, let's see, so my daughter is 18, so 17 years. You started when she was a year old? Just under a year, yeah. Very good. And so what's the most memorable one you've had? You've told us some really good stories of going out and doing. So tell me one or two of the, or tell us one or two of the most memorable times you've had with this. So one of our favorite things, and it happens fairly consistently, it happens to Oliver, who you got to meet um, in January. He's my blacksmith that came out. Yep. He made his own full suit of armor and does King Arthur. And he does all our anti-bullying for King, the King Arthur program as King Arthur. He was dressed up at Fan X and a little kid came running up to him and gave him a huge hug and was like, I remember you at my school and like reciting the lesson to Oliver because he remembered like every word of it. It was like freaking cute. That's the, um, that's the fun part about doing it. That's one of the reasons we put in the new segment called Mail Call because I get so much mail from kids that we just thought it'd be better to start sharing it with people because People need to see what we're really doing. We're making an uh, impact on children's lives in some way, shape, or form. And that's always a good thing. So, and he is a great blacksmith. He is a blast. He'll tell you he's not as good as he is, but he's amazing. He'll, I'll just try to see if we can fly his armor out there. It might be a little hard because it's literal still that he's cold forged. There's pictures of it online off and on. But well, we'll have to pop, post those pictures on our website, on our podcast website. So he he had such fun. Um, we have tentatively, I have tentatively made an agreement with him to come back out and do it again. Oh, he's stoked oh, he's to come back. back. He's your female blacksmith. I don't remember her name. But those two are talking nonstop right now. Yes, that's good. So she was supposed to be at our crew meeting. The Swashbucklers had a crew meeting yesterday, but she's also a teacher. And she had a couple of um, teacher accreditation tests that she has to take this week. So she she thought it would be best for her to study and work on that instead of coming to the crew meeting. So she did not make it to the crew meeting. But she's she's an accomplished. She's a, she's very good at doing um, her her trade as a blacksmith. Did your um, 
and remind me his name so I can stop saying it the, the, the wrong way. What's his name? Oliver. Oliver, okay. So did Oliver, was Oliver standing there when Keith Hill walked up? Who walked did up? He, yeah, did, Keith Hill. Did he even know who Keith Hill was? There's Probably Oliver. Very yeah, good. Yeah. So Keith Hill is the winner of several of the different on uh, television shows where they the blacksmiths go on the television show and build stuff. He's won Knife or Death, Forged in Fire, um, and there's at least one other, and he's won a couple of them, the Grand, Grand Marshal Prize out of one of them also. So Keith Hill showed up. We had him at our event a couple of years ago, and he did a couple of um, pieces for us, and he did three railroad tie knives that we auctioned off in his name for our charity. I actually have one of them. And so he came by to say hello. We had tried to get him to come and be a part of it. And he's just now, because he's a celebrity, he's just a little bit too hard to get hold of. So, and it just so happened that the female that we have, and I can't pronounce her name yet. I've got to have her tell me how to pronounce her name because it's such a strange thing. <laughs> but um, she had contacted me about two weeks before the event and said, hey, remember me? I'd like to come and do blacksmithing again, and I hadn't secured a blacksmith, so it just worked out. And then Oliver shows up, so we ended up with two blacksmiths. So it was a lot of fun, and they got to work on a real forge, a real blacksmith forge. So um, I'm glad they both enjoyed. I'm glad they both connected. And the way I have it planned, they're they're both going to be a part of the event next year. So what was that? I was, I was Thursday night. I was teaching literacy with him. And he, in between the classes, was telling me about the two of them, like, sending videos back and forth, like, with different advice. And he just mailed a bunch of stuff to her out in Florida. Like, they are literally, like, nonstop, like, new best friends. It's crazy. Good, good. Well, just remember, Old City Pirate Fest will be the first weekend in February in 2024. So make sure that you all mark your calendars for that. Everybody pay attention. We've moved it one week into the new year so that we have a little extra time. And that week in February is not as busy in St. Augustine as that last weekend of January. So it'll make it a little easier for us to get a few other things we need to do. So what else do you want to tell us about all the things you're doing? Because you are a real estate agent. I'm a real estate broker. What's that? I'm a broker. You're a broker. Okay, yep. there's a difference, I guess. Yeah, uh, I own an office and manage agents. And how many? 15. 15 agents? Well, that's good. Well, I know if we need a loan, we're to come to get a loan. Well, I don't do loans. I do the houses. Uh, it would be a personal loan. Hi, <laughs> 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 right. David, do you have anything you want to ask Mandy? Uh, no, um, we've talked quite a bit. <laughs> I, I know that, that Mandy and I will argue over different different qualities of pirates because she's a big fan of Bellamy, but as I'm a big fan of uh, Bartholomew Roberts, um, two of the more successful pirates of all the rest of them, and she's she, you've also also gone up to see where the widow and the museum for the widow is too, also haven't you? Yeah, I got to see the parts of the ship. One of the cool things about their museum is that they have an archaeological site in it, so you can go in where they have the artifacts in the tanks and they're cleaning them and working on them as they're going. Right. Because um, as to date, 
Oh, there's the, a good picture of, of, of uh, two, two of our blacksmiths working. Very good, David. The Widda is the only 100% confirmed pirate ship recovery because they won't declare Blackbird yet. So it's kind of fun to go up and see everything that they're working on, but they're still recovering it. And then the arguments regarding Sam Bellamy's body is even more fun. Because there are some that say that they know where he's at, and there's others that say that it's not him. They have it. It's, there's, I sat with the archaeologist, and it had the right gun. It had the right um, teapot with it. It had the right belts. It had the right buckles. It had the right... Um, the scarf things that were tucked into everything, like all of it lined up perfect to the last known description and everything that he was known to have on him at the time. But there's somebody in England that claims that he knows he's related to Bellamy and the DNA didn't test, so that's what threw it up in the wall. Hmm. That's interesting. I, I, I can't tell you how many times I have people that come into the museum and tell me they're related to Blackbeard or they're related to Captain Morgan or, or they're related to pirates in their, in their past. It's possible because pirates were probably promiscuous in a lot of different seaports that they were at. So it's quite possible. Um, what makes it really difficult is the documentation of all that stuff back then. Um, you know, weddings and, and marriages and uh, unions of convenience. Um, it's not easy to track all that, all that down. Um, and so that makes trying to come up with the history that you need for certain families makes it a little tougher. Um, it's also funny to watch people that will say that they, they know exactly how they are family-wise, and then they go to one of those DNA sites, and then they get the evidence back, and everything on the DNA site proves that they're not anything about what they thought they were. So here's a fun one. Of course, this adds Oliver back in. Oliver works for a site called Family Search. He's a programmer on the backside. He helps with all of the, the lineage uh, database and everything for the family trees that are set up through the LDS church. And the LDS church records are kind of intriguing to me because I learned from my great grandmother that when the Mormons were traveling across the US, that when parents would die, other families would just take the kids and the church would alter the docs to keep the government out of it. So these kids basically have a cutoff lineage where they think they connect to one to the next. But I know, and this is where I would need Oliver, I haven't got all the details, they just did some crazy thing called Root Tech on this family search website to start actually connecting more document-wise for the documents that are available to show where people line up in family trees. And it's, it's, it's not as cut and dried as everybody would think it would be um, because of the way documentation was done and everybody does their, their documentation differently. There's some, there, there is documentation here in St. Augustine that dates all the way back to the 1560s that the, the, the church took care of documenting. Um, and it also showed that some of the Spanish here married some of the Indian women here. Um, and there is documentation of all that. Um, and, and another one that just cropped up and, and it's, and I haven't researched it, but so I'll just, we're mentioning this in passing when it comes to documentation. Um, the slave market down on the town square. There are a lot of people who've been arguing that that's never was a slave market and that it got the name as a slave market from a postcard um, production that was made 
1930s, 1940s by one of the major New York magazines. Well, they just had a, a, a historian on one of the news channels last week, and he has some evidence of some paperwork that shows that there were some slaves sold there. So maybe it was a slave market. It also depends, it, it just depends on where and when you find all the paperwork and whether or not you can prove the paperwork's actually true. I throw this out in passing, not to create any kind of disagreement with any, any of my tour guides or, or my friends that are watching the show tonight. Um, I throw this out to say, sometimes you just don't know what's going to pop up. So nothing, nothing about, the his, about history is absolute. Nothing. And things can change in a heartbeat. So, and it's just, it can become very confusing. Let's just say that. So, I don't know. But you got to tell us, though, um, what's it like being a pirate in Utah? <laughs> it's kind of interesting, but the biggest thing that we run into is kids telling us that pirates were never real. And so it gets to be a lot of fun when we get to tell them otherwise. And actually, that's... Um, photo may have been taken at one of my favorite events that I did. The gal put up a pirate scavenger hunt where people had to go learn about all the different pirates and she had Anne Bonnie up by me. So I was having a heyday with all the kids as they were coming up and the girls and like bouncing off the walls, like just talking to them about pirates and getting the girls all excited that the history that they've learned is not 100% accurate, but that there's females that were leaders in history that actually did more and different things and stuff like that. So, I, I have constantly had to tell some of the ladies or some of the young ladies in, in my tours that, you know, there's, there's so many people, especially right now. And, 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 and again, here, here's my footnote to this. I always try to make sure that we don't make this a politically volatile podcast. But over the past three, four, five years, there's been a whole lot of people that have been trying to change and, and or control history. And when they start telling everybody that women were so downtrodden and mistreated, that's not across the board. Yes, it's Eventually true. showed up, yes. But there were some very powerful women, some very con controlling, it's not the right word, I shouldn't use that word. But there were some women that had their fingers in the pie. A, a, a perfect example is Josephine Bonaparte. Napoleon did a lot of stuff, but he did it at the whim or at the... Um, consideration of his wife. She was his confidant. So, you know, it's much like, I'll, I'll use me. There's a lot of things that I do, but before I go do it, I usually check with my wife and say, hey, what do you think? Need, an, need another set of eyes, another set of ears on it. Many men do that. Uh, you know, you had Cleopatra, Joan of Arc, Helen of Troy, um, the Queen of Spain, several times over, Queen Elizabeth I, all these people had some great power and had control. These women had control of certain aspects of, of their country and their culture. Well, Elizabeth and Grace O'Malley, because Grace O'Malley's talked about in your chat over here, were an interesting dynamic because they were two females in leadership roles at the same time. Grace O'Malley actually had claim to Queen Elizabeth's throne 
and to keep from Grace coming after it, instead of going after Grace's hundred ships that she had on her fleet in Ireland, Elizabeth sent uh, mercenaries in to kidnap one of Grace O'Malley's kids to force her to come sign a truce to allow her to stay in power. It's, and here's, a, here's another one for you that makes it interesting. And it's a rum that we talked about here on our podcast, and we may do it again soon. Santa Teresa rum. Santa Teresa rum is named after Saint Teresa of Spain, of Diaboli, Spain, from the years 1545 to 1570. And the f interesting part was, even though she was a nun, she also had a strong belief in pagan ways. And the Roman Catholic Church or the Royal Catholic Church, whichever way you want to look at it, allowed her to remain as a nun because the major Catholic Church believed that because she was still bringing the women into an interest to the church, that her belief should be at least respected. And then she, be and then she becomes a saint. The, the, the most interesting part of it is, this is the exact same time that Pedro Menendez, who is the father of St. Augustine, lived and used Diaboli, Spain as his home port. So these two people in history, a rum that I drink, could actually be named after a woman that knew Pedro Menendez. And Pedro Menendez was fairly well known anyway because the Menendez family was fairly close to the king of Spain. So little bits and nuances of these things that happened with, with, with people, the men weren't the only ones. Women had some place in history constantly. So uh, we, we, have to be, we have to acknowledge the history and we have to be open-minded to understand the history too. So um, it, it's, it, it's just really interesting to watch some people that want to downplay things. I, I just heard something again on TV last night um, that you know people are blaming the British for, for, for all the slavery that was going on here. Well, the British weren't the only ones and then the British had a huge part in doing away with slavery. They were the first European country to stop all the slavery. So um, some of the people are, are misquoting things that are going on. It was the Portuguese that started it. Spain had part of it. English had part of it. Italians and French had part of it. But yet everybody wants to blame the British. And the British were the ones instrumental in stopping it as much as they could um, from the way they were doing things. But that's all bits and pieces of history that... that the whole frustratingly like, people don't pay attention to the entire slave trade history has been intriguing to sit and research and it's actually sam bellamy's research that got me into it and learning more of how media altered the way that people saw what was going on and happening which is where like the spanish flu did not actually originate down in spain so why it got called that was because of their open media but Sam Bellamy and Blackbeard were actually notorious for attacking slave trader ships to free the, the slaves. Yes. So. That's, and, I, and that's what I tell people in my tours. Most pirates did not attack slave ships to take the slaves. They attacked slave ships to take the possessions and the money and free the slaves. And in many cases, some of those slaves became crew members in their crew. Well, it's because they didn't know where else to go. Well, what better to take a man that's been removed from his country thousands and thousands of miles, he's probably pissed off at the world, and you give him an opportunity to do something 
that gives him an outlet for his rage and his frustration. And they made great pirates. And oh, yeah, that's successful. good. Um, Bellamy, they said Bellamy and Blackbeard don't actually have any record of massacring many people like to attack to kill. Um, Bellamy used to use the slaves to scare the other ships into submission. Because what's scarier to a slave trader than a bunch of freed slaves? Absolutely. So, so the, the purposes of some of these pirates staying out of the slave business um, was because they, and, and, you know, it, it probably goes back to one other thing. Pirates were known, especially now that we talk about them more, pirates were known for the creation of a democracy that every man, and, and one of the, here's one of the things I use in, in, in my tour when it comes to that point once in a while, when I try to illustrate a point. There are a few things in every pirate movie that actually does portray real pirates. One of them is this. I tell everybody, imagine whatever pirate movie it was you want, you've watched that you remember. Every pirate movie has one scene in it that's the same in every movie. It's the captain standing there giving them a pep talk. Every pirate movie has that. The captain's giving them a pep talk, whether they're going to do this, that, or whatever else. Now, what I want everybody to do is picture that pep talk, all the men standing on the deck, but pull yourself away as if you are the camera doing the scene. Pull yourself away so that all you can see is the body of men and not individuality. And look at all those men. And they come in every shape, size, and color. And that is the proof that pirate ships were inclusive. They totally they inclusive. Everybody, they didn't care. If you were a willing, able body, that's all they mattered. The as youngest you, who was eight years old on Bellamy's ship. Well, and as long as you pulled your weight and took your responsibility seriously and were part of what was the bigger overall picture, you were part of it. The minute you decided you were not part or did not want to be or you wanted to rebel against this, then you were removed. Look what they did to Charles Vane. Exactly, Vane. That's how um, Rackham got his ship, was they couldn't handle the way that Vane was managing, and so they booted him out and put Rackham in place. They basically hogtied him and dropped him on the, on the steps of the courtyard so that he would be arrested. And then, if you watch and look some of the stories, when, on the day of his execution, many of those pirates slipped into town and were in the crowd to watch him so that he could see their faces when he met his maker. That's he, they said documented he was on like crazy or something before he got that far, but I don't know what medical condition. But yeah, Bane's story is absolutely insane on how it like curved and switched around. Well, the men on Blackbeard's ship were, and this takes us on a different tangent now. The men on Blackbeard's ship were, were uh, unusually mental. Some of, some of them on the other pirate ships were unusually mental. And a lot of it goes to certain, as I refer to it when I'm doing a museum tour and I've got children in the way, certain curricular activities that create diseases. Yes. And that's all, that's all I put it. And, and, and these men suffered from that. So did some of our forefathers. You know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a fact. So uh, people that, I see that uh, Will the historian, uh, oh, I like what he said. First recorded instance of slave trade was 6,000 years ago in Samaria. He's absolutely right. Look, another thing you can think of, the word slave 
is a derivative of the word Slavic. And Slav or Slavic were white people that were being put into, into um, slavery, bonds of slavery, by other white people and or Genghis Khan and or Alexander the Great and or William the Conqueror because when these great men took over vast portions of land and they took over these villages, some of those people became slaves. If you watch, the, the, there was a documentary, not a documentary, but a, a mini-series on Genghis Khan. Anybody that didn't want to be a part of what he was doing just became slaves. That's what happened in Ireland when the Catholics first pushed through and overrode the Protestants and the pagans is you either acclimate to us or we're going to kill you into slavery. That's kind of how a lot of these areas took over to transition their new leadership. And, and again, I'm going to do this, but, but I find this, this, what I'm about to say, it was hilarious to me, but it was a couple of news anchors. This happened several months ago and they were, they were talking about, and it's, one of the news channels that I don't necessarily always watch, but I just happened to catch it. And they had somebody on from England and they were talking about why reparation for, for um, black people in the United States of America is very important. And the woman from England said, reparation would be very important if you go to the source. Go to the source, go to the African king's and monarchs of Africa that were enslaving each other during their battles and then selling their people to the white traders that came there. So if you want to go for reparations, go to the people that started it first, if that's the way you're going to go. And the, the news commentators, they, they just sat there and stared like deer in headlights. They couldn't answer it. So yeah. you, you have to understand that history has variations and the variations of history, nothing about history is absolute. I've said that twice already tonight. It's not absolute. It's all assumptive. And you have to take bits and pieces. I've, I've changed from saying that history is written by the winners um, that to the idea that history is actually written by every culture. Every culture has their own form of history, their own line of history. And here's a perfect example sticking with pirates. Sir Francis Drake. Queen Elizabeth made him a privateer. He's a privateer to go out and protect the British Empire against all evil. Well, as far as Queen Elizabeth I was concerned and Sir Francis Drake was concerned, the Spanish were the evil. And that's what he came here and did in the New World, is he, he took on and destroyed Spanish settlements. But the Spanish don't call him a privateer. They call him a pirate. Two different countries, two different histories, and if you understand both sides, you understand what the real truth is. And that's what that's the best part about trying to understand history and talk to people about history, because if you talk with people about history, you can come to some great understandings. If you talk at people about history, nobody's going to nobody's going to agree. That was one of my favorite things about being in Ireland was the different history and the different stories that we were picking up when I accidentally came across Kinsale where Ambani was born. But we started making jokes at different museums we were at because you would see a gap. Like there's a dead space from when they've got all this history and then when our favorite St. Patrick comes in and all the changes go on, we have a dead gap. And then all of a sudden history starts back up again because they're trying to remove 
the persecutions that occurred during that window from their history to make it look not as bad as it actually was. So you had to get into the right areas that would actually show that to you. And it was really kind of funny just to go around and like line up everybody's timelines to actually see where each other's gaps were based off of which museum or monastery you were at as you were walking through them and like learning and stuff about them. See, and, and some of that happens because the people are embarrassed by their past. How can you be embarrassed by something that you had no control over? None whatsoever. And by creating these gaps, then you create more disbelievability in the in the lineage of the history. So don't create the gaps. Keep everything open and understand that we are supposed to learn from these things so that we don't keep doing it over and over and over again. And you can't you can't be embarrassed. Look, on my side of the family, on my mother's side of the family, who, who, although my mom was from New York, on my mother's side of the family, we're related to Robert E. Lee. A lot of people think that he was a, a traitor to his nation, but he did a lot of good, not necessarily during the American, uh, uh, the American Civil War, but he still did good afterwards. We wouldn't have Arlington Cemetery if it wasn't for, for Robert E. Lee and the family. So, and I, you know, I just kind of forgot the point I was trying to make more so than <laughs> anything else. I guess it's just important to understand that your family heritage, good or bad, is still something to be a part of and still something to understand. Um, if we were to all... The, the fun here, here, I guess here's here's another way to look at it. the fun part is that when people get those DNA tests back, they find out that they're not all Scottish or they're not all Irish or they're not all German anymore. That, that, uh, almost everybody I've talked to that's gotten the DNA test back have found out that there are about seven or eight or nine different cultures involved in their bloodstream now. Well, in that's another fun fact one. So. Like my guy is that works with me, if I can get this to look back up again here. He, his grandmother is supposed to be Hispanic and he was convinced that he had to be about a quarter Hispanic, but when it came back, he had African and he's white, is white can be any day of the week. So we have a bunch of jokes about that. But what it was, is some of the slaves were escaping, they were going into Mexico and that would happen in any country. The refugees would move over and acclimate to that culture. And so what was being passed down to people was where they lived to hide where they ran from. So people don't actually know theirs. Me, on the other hand, I already knew I was almost 100% Irish and it came back on my DNA test because I'm Kelly and Brown and Keen and Campbell for all the last names that run through my family. But there, my husband was in another one that came back longer than he thought. My, my, my father who just passed away back in November, he used to say, all of us have something back in the woodpile we probably don't want to brag about because there was a mixture of all kinds of things that went on. I, I, Davy, are we getting any good? It appears to me because I don't have my glasses. I could put my glasses on, but we're getting some good comments along the way, aren't we? Yes. Instead of waiting to do the comments at the last, why don't we keep these in here? Go all the way. Let's let's roll backwards and. Um, see some of the comments we're getting and add everybody to this conversation because we have found out one thing 
Davey and I had a conversation over the weekend. We have found out that people really do enjoy uh, the historic ang angle or the history part of our show. So I'm going all the way back to the beginning real quick. Instead of doing our normal what we do, um, I, I see a couple of people. I'm only going to look at the, any of the, what, the comments that were made that have anything to do about the conversation we're having there. Um, let's see. Uh, there's the first one right there. 18 by Jeff Beck and Johnny Depp right now hits every mood lately, but the entire album needs to be played from start to finish. Um, okay, cool. Um, let's go to the next one. I feel I listen to different styles. We're talking about the music. I see what we're doing. We're talking about the music. I feel I listen to different styles depending on what I'm doing at work. Heavy metal when I'm in my workshop, pub music, drawing, painting, electronic dance music. I, we won't admit to that, Zachary Harker. Uh, my taste in music is very eclectic. Nightingale in Florida says right now to get in the mood for the Celtic Festival, it's Viking music. Uh, Hill Young and uh, Ward Duna are really cool bands. I probably butchered those names. I apologize. What else do we got? I used to play a wide range of styles at work. Had a, a guy complain and wanted me to play one style. So for about six hours, I played Celtic drums and bagpipes. I, that'll take care of people, won't it? <laughs> I, go ahead, Davey. Start, just pop up a few more then. Uh, documentation can be hard. Oh, this is a Facebook user. When it, is, it has to cross the sea back to its originating country. My O'Malley clan is working on all the ties back to Grace O'Malley, the Pirate Queen. They're using my uncle's DNA as part of it. You have to be a son of a son of a son, etc. It's really interesting how it all works and starts tying together. Is that Facebook user uh, Anne Grace? Mm -hmm. That's what I thought. All right. Uh, let's see. Go ahead with a couple of others. What else is down there? I... Josephine was a very smart lady. She survived the French Revolution. It is said that Napoleon's last words before dying was... Josephine. I would believe it because I believe he did everything for her. It was it was considered a good love story. Facebook user, the meeting between the English Pike Queen and the Pirate Queen had to be amazing. Probably was. First recorded instance of slave trade was 6,000 years ago in Samaria. That is Will the Historian, and I won't argue with him because that's my son, and I think he's smarter than I am. Facebook user, even Disney acknowledged, acknowledged the slave trade. The reason Captain Jack Sparrow's ship called the Wicked Wench at the time was in the, lo was in the locker was because he was fighting with the owner of the ship, Lord Cutler Beckett, who wanted him to carry human cargo, slaves. By the time he came back up, the ship was called the Black Pearl, but still Disney acknowledged it. Although I don't know how much of the background of Jack people actually know, Obviously, the story's not real, but they acknowledge the slaves. And Jack Sparrow is a combination of three characters. If anybody didn't know this, this is fact. Johnny Depp used three characters to create the character of Jack Sparrow. One of them actually was a pirate. He used the idea of Calico Jack. That's one. The other was Keith Richards, which we all know. And Keith Richards was probably a pirate. He's that old. And the third one was a cartoon character, Pepe Le Pew, the skunk. The one who thought he was all that to every woman in the world. And if you watch John and Jeff's portrayal of Jack Sparrow, there it is. Those are the three characters that he, he has done. I know that by fact because I watched an interview that Johnny Depp actually said that's how he did it. So there you have it. Um, 
I feel like, let's see, anything else in there? Um, I see a couple of others. Anything else about our talk on um, history? Can you see them also, Mandy? Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Uh, I'm looking and I'm looking, I'm looking. I don't see anything else, so we'll continue on. And I see there's the Disney one was the last one. All right, very good. So we'll continue on now. So overall, we found that people like history. Um, again, we never want to make this to be a political statement in any way, shape, or form. But I do want to say one other thing. I had to talk to my crew yesterday about this. I am have grown very weary of people who think they're all that in a bag of chips, bullying everybody else into submission and not allowing anybody's opinion to, 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 to foster and grow. I believe if you have an opinion, you should be able to express it. But, and if it's an opinion that's contrary to anything you're, that you're looking at or somebody might take it wrong, as long as you make your opinion or your disagreement with facts, information, and no emotion, then you should be entitled to have it. And too many people are cutting down other people and bullying them into submission. And we live in a free country. This is the United States of America. You are entitled to your opinion. It does not have to be shared by everybody. But as long as you're making your opinion based on facts, intellectual information, and a lack of total emotion, I mean, you're going to be emotional anyway, but you've got to make it so that you're not making it based out of, uh, of hurtful anger. You've got to make your opinions stick proper. We had an incident happen over the last week and a half. Um, the details are not important, um, but the people that did not like the, what the start of the comments, um, all they could do was argue um, with emotional, uh, emotional in information, not factual information. So at that point, I stopped all my conversations. I have no desire to have a conversation with those people anymore because they have nothing to fight with other than emotions. It's wrong. We want this show and we proved it. Was it last week or two weeks ago that we proved it when we, when we decided to talk about the, the comment that came onto our, our podcast because of the communist propaganda that we were supposedly, was that last week we did that? Well, it was a couple of weeks ago. I was in Florida. It was two weeks ago. And the person that said that we were posting prop communist propaganda, I believe we proved them wrong. We haven't heard anything more from that person, but we used facts to prove things. If anybody wants to come at our show or come at our crew or come at our, our pirate beliefs, come, come with an intellectual quiver and talk to us, not at us, not about us, with us. That's how intellectual people do. That's what we want this show to be. We will talk about history. And if you have a difference of opinion and want to put it in the comments, we will talk to you. We will, you have a voice. We're not going to shut you off. You have a voice to talk to us. And that's one of the good things about good people coming together and discussing. Because maybe what I understand or believe and what you understand or believe are two different things, but if we start to compare notes, we may come up with something that's in the middle, and we both of our beliefs and both of our understandings are there, and we may just have to shave off some of the stuff that's, that, that we come to a human nature and common sense idea. That way, 
we understand everybody. As Dad would say, arguing with one that want arguing with one that want you to agree with them is wasted energy or air. Yes, pretty much said. So there you have it. <laughs> Any questions or comments? That's what your that's what the comment section is for. If you would prefer to talk to us in private about something, we have that method too. It's called email. We welcome all emails and we will make sure that we handle them properly. We've done 70 some episodes. We're becoming quite successful with what we're doing. A lot of that success first comes from David with his work on the crew and doing the things he does. The secondary success that's really propelled us even further is because of Mandy there. I am just the pretty face that sits here and talks my head off and tries to keep everybody in control. If it wasn't for a crew, there would be no show. And I truly appreciate all of that. So on that note, do we have a video highlight of the week? No, not, not a video highlight. All right. So what do we got next then? This week in nautical history. Good, nautical history. And if I remember right, our sponsor for that is the Pirate and Treasure Museum, ladies and gentlemen. So let's see a little bit.
Ah, very cool, very cool. That last one, the Cyclops, the vanishing of the Cyclops with a, a ship full of coal. There were several ships that were lost off the coast of Montauk Point with coal. I have a piece of the coal from a shipwreck in my collection that we show off when we go to festivals. So ladies and gentlemen, after the nautical week, or nautical video of the week, we always do mail call now, something new. Right now all the mail call we have is an envelope full of messages from children that have come and taken tours at the Pirate Museum. But if you send us a great letter, um, we'll add it to what we're doing. But here's the one from Kyle Sin um, in a fourth grade class somewhere here in, in Florida. What was that? I got My voices. My cell phone alarm's going off. Oh, thank you for giving us a tour around the Pirate Museum, teaching us to respect women and giving us pirate knowledge. The room that told the story in it was my favorite because you could hear quick gunshots and people screaming in the background. That's always a good one. And thank you again for giving us a tour around the whole entire museum property and telling us pirate jokes. I love to tell pirate jokes. And then this one here, and this one's got some really nice artwork and some pretty good handwriting for a fourth grader. Hold it up to the screen there so you can maybe see it. I look at that, that's very pretty. And there's some nice work down there. Ahoy, it says. I, of course, all pirates said that. Thank you for the Pirate Museum tour. Miss Romano's fourth grade class loved the tour. Uh, their favorite part of the tour is when the, we were in the room and we had headphones. I heard the blood splat. It was great fun. <laughs> I liked all of the pirate knowledge you gave us. The jokes are fun to, to tell them once again. Um, of the jokes you tell us and the stories were fun too. Thank you again for the fun by Miriam. Sometimes their English needs a little bit of help or it just could be my, my reading. But there's two more letters. We're keeping all these letters that we get in a chest full of knowledge that I'm calling the chest, the chest of knowledge, which is great information from all these kids because it's wonderful when they say thank you. So, after we do mail call, it's always time for This Week in History, which is sponsored by Dick Swing. This
very good. Always great to see some of the things that you pull out for this week in history. It's a great way for us to learn things, and they make some really great snippets for you to share with your friends when you want to talk around the, the job posting or whatever. So on that, we've done a last-minute check of the, of the messages, but a few may have more have come in, so let's do it real quick, go backwards and look and see what we've got, because I see a few new comments there. We'll do that real quick, and then we'll start to get into the ending of the show here. Let's see, where is my cursor? This having two different screens drives me crazy at times. There it is right there. All right. Going on the way down to the very bottom. Let's see what we got here. Um, we still have the Disney thing, so I know that was the last one we looked at. The novel The Price of Freedom by A.C. Crispin is all about Jack Sparrow and how the ship Black Pearl came to be. Great story, well written. Have to look that one up. Um... It is called Being an Adult, to where we have adult conversation about an issue without all the bullcrap or forcing others to believe what you believe. Aye, very good. You're absolutely right. Agreed. Everybody agreed. Will the historian says, give me their name. I will take them on. <laughs> I appreciate that, but I'll keep it, I'll keep it low key for now. Um, let's see. And Ransom Mayhem says that will the historian, he will win. Wow, Navigator, love the way you've presented the history video. Music is perfect, yes. So keep that piece of music there, Mr. Navigator. Don't be changing it. We have several sponsors. We have several supporters. We have all kinds of things going on for us. But we've decided as of a couple of weeks ago, we're going to do it like a video. So Mr. Davey, let's show our appreciation to everybody that's part of our show. Good. And our numbers are strong. Uh, there's the new, our sponsor. We've added two sponsors to it. The Riker family of reenactors and Spyglass Travel. That'll be slipped into our video starting next week. I, and we have a, a showing of our platforms. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to be able to watch us or listen to us, you can watch us on YouTube, Spotify, or Instagram. You can listen to us on Stitcher, iHeart, CastBox, Apple Podcast, and Amazon Music. So we're on eight formats now. You can't hardly not find us if you're not looking hard enough. So come and be a part of our crew. And of course, our numbers are always improving and growing. 
and it looks like we have 567 subscribers. We have 1,429 views over the last 48 hours. Uh, 1,429 views, top content. The end of watch, eight bells from two weeks ago, um, got a lot of views. Uh, we like that. A bit about President Day, that got a lot of views. Mini Mayhem reads, Pirates Don't Change Diapers. And Mini Mayhem reads, right, look at all that. All those numbers, ladies and gentlemen, we're doing well. Want to see them into the four digits as soon as we can. So here's the challenge. By the start of the summer, let's see if we can't get that up about 200, if not more. Maybe even more. Let's see what happens. We have a good crew here working hard to make everything work. And it's time to give you the answer. Why doesn't a pirate take a shower or a bath before he walks the plank? Because they'll just wash up on shore. I think, Mr. Davey, that is one of those times we're going to need some canned laughter. <clears throat> so keep that in mind from now on. We'll need some canned laughter and some cheers for our... There we go. Very good. So ladies and gentlemen, it's been a good show. And as we have said before, when we have a good guest, the show always goes well. So here's Mandy Brown's information if you're interested in being a part of what she does out there in Utah. But she is now a part of our show. She is a part of our crew. We will not get rid of her. We will not let her go away. She is stuck with us, whether she likes it or not. <laughs> she is now stuck with us. There I'd is some my, plans my husband one of these days. You're now stuck with me, so. Well, it, it could be that too. Could be that too. But we are working tandem to to make this show even better every week, and we're doing what I think to be a very fair job. I think it's going well. I pass out a lot of our business cards to school teachers who are very interested in what we're doing, and we're working on a project that's part of what we do. Um, from the podcast that will be just for school teachers. We'll probably tell you a little bit more about that as time goes on. But for now, we've gone over our hour. It's time for us to take a break. So, as we always say to close our show, part of the podcast. Go ahead, Mandy. Part of the crew? Always. Very good. We're teaching her the right way. Part of the podcast, part of the crew, always. Ladies and gentlemen, we can't do it without you, and we thank you for tuning in. We thank you very, very, very much, and we'll be talking soon. Aye. Next week. <laughs>